Welcome to this Abide Bedtime Story. We invite you to listen in as Professor and author C.S. Lewis wrestles with the claims of Christ and is ultimately persuaded that Jesus is who he says he is. Much of this story is Lewis's own words from his book, Surprised by Joy. Before we listen in to C.S. Lewis's thoughts and prayers, get comfortable, relax, and be ready to hear how one man's journey can help you as you learn to trust God with all that concerns you. Close your eyes, take a deep breath, and relax. Breathe out all the worries of the day, and breathe in the comforting presence of God's Holy Spirit. Let tension leave your body as you dwell with God, certain that He loves you and is with you now, as well as all through the night. With God, everything begins afresh. The old has gone, the new is here. Let those thoughts permeate every inch of your being. To rid your body of tension, let your muscles relax. Start with your feet. Move up to your calves and your thighs. Relax your abdomen and your shoulders. Let your eyebrows relax. Keep breathing slowly and deeply. As your body relaxes, your mind can relax as well and release those cares of the day. Dear Heavenly Father, as your child prepares to sleep, we ask that they will know you are with them. Help them to lay aside any doubts and find the confident peace in knowing you are always present with your children. Give them assurance that everything you say is true and that you allow us to start anew with every breath we take. Even as your child sleeps, we pray you would direct their dreams Protect them from their own stresses and worries by taking them on your own strong shoulders. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. As Clive Staples Lewis lay on his bed, his mind swirled with what he'd just learned. For years he had told those who asked that he believed in no religion 
He said, There is absolutely no proof for any of them. And from a philosophical standpoint, Christianity is not even the best. Now those words haunted him because of a long discussion he had had with his friends J. R. R. Tolkien and Hugo Dyson. They were certain that Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. And that confidence shook Lewis. He met regularly with his literary discussion group, The Inklings, at the Eagle and Child pub in Oxford, England. On this particular day, his friends, Tolkien and Dyson, lingered to talk about why they believed so completely in Jesus Christ. As Lewis approached his home, he looked up at the three red brick chimneys looming over the dormered windows. He usually noticed the ivy climbing vigorously over the brick of his house, and often wandered over to see the frogs in his pond. But today his mind was too preoccupied. Since it was a chilly night, he stoked the fireplace in his study, before setting about his determination to read the Bible for himself. Since he was a literary professor, he owned a Bible, but it had not been off his shelf since he'd looked up an obscure passage he'd run across in a novel he had read. Now he wanted to find out firsthand what he may have been missing. It took him a minute to find where he had shelved it, but when he found it, he took the large leather volume reverently in his hands. He wasn't sure he believed what it said, but he was certainly curious, and he felt a certain awe as he opened it on his desk. He wasn't sure where to start, but he remembered a passage Tolkien had mentioned. It was in the book of Second Corinthians. It took Lewis a while to find it, but he came across it in chapter 5. His finger made its way down the page, until he came to the part where the Apostle Paul was explaining why he believed what to many seemed crazy. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation 
has come. The old has gone. The new is here. These words now resonated in his mind as he settled down to sleep. What if everything Jesus said was true? Was Paul out of his mind? The more Lewis thought about it, the more he thought Paul might be one of the most sane men who had ever written. Many people talked about Jesus Christ as a great moral teacher and left it at that. Lewis wanted to know more about Jesus, so he read through Mark's Gospel to get a better idea of what Jesus said. The things Jesus said astounded him, and he had to put the idea of him being just a good moral teacher aside. Certainly Jesus taught morally, but his claims went far beyond that. Clearly, he proclaims to be equal with God, which is why he was put to death. So if he's not just a good moral teacher, but Lord of the universe, Lewis understood what that meant. He must accept Jesus is Lord of all. Otherwise, because of Jesus' claims, he would be a lunatic or a liar. No, he must believe he is Lord or not believe at all. Lewis's mind continued to mull over the reluctant pull on his life. Alone in his room, he felt the unrelenting approach of the one he so earnestly did not want to meet. I will surely be the most reluctant convert in all of England, he thought. He realized that God would accept a convert even on such terms. I'm a prodigal who is kicking, struggling, resentful, and looking for a chance of escape. As he thought of his reluctance, another idea took its place. The hardness of God is kinder than the softness of men. Even though Lewis was reluctant, he leaned in closer to this amazing God. As Lewis mulled over what was happening to him, he chuckled and thought, A young man who wishes to remain a sound atheist cannot be too careful of his reading. There are traps everywhere. Bibles laid open. Millions of surprises. Fine nets and stratagems. Lewis smiled again. God is, if I may say it, very unscrupulous. A short time later, Lewis retired to his bed. 
and as he lay staring at the ceiling, his thoughts continued to flow. If I accept that Jesus is who he says he is, there's no region even in the innermost depth of my soul, nay, there least of all, which I could surround with a barbed wire fence and guard with a notice, no admittance. And that's what I want. Some area, however small, of which I can say to all other beings, This is my business and mine only. But Jesus does not allow me that. However, there is a comfort in that too, Lewis thought. If I'm not in charge, someone much wiser and more powerful is. That comes as quite a relief. At last, Lewis fell asleep, still not sure of what he believed, although the evidence was piling up that Jesus truly is Lord of the Universe. The next day, Lewis rose. He was glad it was a free day. He'd agreed to go to the zoo with his brother, which sounded like a pleasant way to spend the day. As he and his brother made their way to the zoo, they at first talked of what a fine day it was. The weather was mild, and the flowers were blooming in profusion. Then they fell silent and each drifted to their own thoughts. Suddenly, Lewis knew without a doubt that everything he had been considering about Jesus Christ was true. It hit him with the certainty that had been lacking in his midnight musings. Lewis realized that his thoughts about God in the past had been flawed. I had approached God, or my idea of God, without love, without awe, even without fear. He was, in my mental picture, to appear neither as saviour nor as judge, but merely as a magician, and when he had done what was required of him, I supposed he would simply, well go away. It never crossed my mind that the tremendous contact which I solicited should have any consequences beyond restoring the status quo. Lewis's mind continued to process all he was learning. When he thought of embracing Jesus as his Lord, he could only think of one word. Joy. He thought about that. I call it joy, which is distinguished both from happiness and from pleasure. Joy has only one thing in common with them, the fact that anyone who has experienced it will want it again. Apart from that, 
and considered only in its quality, it might also equally well be called a particular kind of unhappiness or grief. But then it is a kind we want. I doubt whether anyone who has tasted it would ever, if both were in his power, exchange it for all the pleasures in the world. Lewis thought again of the passage he'd read in Corinthians. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, and was raised again. As he let these words take root in his mind, he thought, Here and here only in all time, the myth must have become fact. The word flesh, God, man. This is not a religion, nor a philosophy. It is the summing up and actuality of them all. When Lewis made it to the zoo, he couldn't express in words what had just happened to him, but he knew it was profound. As he strolled around the zoo next to his brother, everything was more astounding. The rose bushes were a softer hue, the animals were endlessly creative and amusing, the other people were more compelling and interesting. Somehow knowing each of these was created by an infinitely loving, powerful God made them all the more incredible. He knew he'd never look at any created thing the same. As he stood in that zoo, his mind flew to a tale of beauty, adventure, and truth that would come through another world that a little girl named Lucy would discover in a wardrobe. Then he heard a lion roar. Bask in the joy of knowing the God that C.S. Lewis discovered. Think back at the evidence of that God in your day, and let that lull you into a night of sweet rest. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land, and to reassign its desolate inheritances to say to the captives, Come out, and to those in darkness, Be free. They will be freed beside the roads, and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger, nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them.
he who has compassion on them, will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. With those promises flowing through your mind, rest well tonight in God's loving care. Dear Lord, we pray that as this child of yours sleeps, you will keep them in your care as you promised. Even though it's dark outside, we pray that there would be no darkness within, only light and assurance. We know you are a God who is full of compassion, and because of that, you will guide your beloved one even in sleep. May this one's dreams be filled with springs of living water that can only come from you. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.